No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS, your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing a real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan Butte. This episode of Team OS features Tom Ferry, someone who needs no introduction on a show like this one. We recorded it together in person at FubCon in downtown Los Angeles. And in this conversation, Tom shares two things that every real estate business needs to be focused on right now. He shares an experience that he had in 1996 that turned him on to the potential of the team model. He also shares how and why to turn accountability into carefrontation, as well as specific tips for solo agents thinking about starting a team and tips for solo agents thinking about joining a team. Here's my conversation with Tom Ferry. Tom, to kick us off, I would love to know from you, what is a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team? Someone that can manage uh, terror and euphoria at all times. Yeah. That okay. Be my answer. Terror and euphoria. Talk about your last 20 years or so running and building your own organization. What has stayed the same with you through that period and what have you adapted and changed? Like what's something that, that you kind of it's super yeah. simple. Um, I think if you're going to start any business, you, you need to acknowledge that you can be one of many. You could walk down the aisle of a, the potato chip aisle at the grocery store and try and separate yourself from Frito-Lay or whatever. And this one, the yellow bag, the black bag, you know, the, the problem is they're all scrambling to try and figure out a unique factor. And I think the biggest challenge right now, what most teams have is they have no unique factors. So, so I say, well, why should I join your team? Why should I join your brokerage? Why should I do it with you versus everybody else? And they say, well, I've got great tech. Well, everybody's got great tech. Well, I've got leads. Well, everybody's got leads, right? Well, we're going to show you, we're going to teach you. Well, everybody's got some method of training. The challenge right now in the industry is there's so much likeness. There's so much sameness. What we need is difference, right? And what's so exciting today is to look at the number of people that are coming in the industry that said, I'm not going to college. I'm 22. I got tattoos. I got a beard and I want to go into real estate, right? Like, and they're bringing these fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. The challenge is they're falling in the trap of the same old, that I'm not saying tired and I'm not saying bad. They're just, there's just no unique factors. So that's the first thing. You got to figure out, you got to go into a room and say, everybody is over here. What's over there, right? And, and the only way you really do it right is Ethan, you do the second thing, which is you think about the customer. The only thing that matters is the customer. Now, a team leader might say the customer is my agent. The broker is going to absolutely say the customer is my agent. And I'm going to say to you, no, they're your partners. They're your partners. The customer is the first time home buyer. The customer is the 89 year old seller whose real estate agent died 27 years ago. They have no mortgage on their house. They're living in New York City. They don't know what the taxes are. They don't know what the problems are. They want to go to Florida, but they don't know how. And they haven't talked to their adult son in 10 years. So they got no one to rely on. No one became their advisor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Th that spectrum, that's the customer. And if you pour yourself into understanding the pains, the challenges, the worries, the nervousness of your customers, then you can create unique solutions and you can market unique messaging in a way that has them go, he's talking to me, mm -hmm. she's talking to me. But instead, what does everybody do in this industry? Like attracts like, just listed, just sold. Here's my video. I'm dancing on TikTok. I'm making calls to expireds. It all works, but none of it is unique. Yeah, so you triggered several things for me there. One of them, 
brought me back to terror and euphoria. I think there's terror in saying, you know, can I go over here when everyone's over here? I right. think that that difference is a big jump for a lot yeah. of people. It also made me think about the idea of, um, you know, just thinking about the younger people. I think a lot of people think that the social media presence and these kinds of things are the differentiator when in it's fact not. they're just the delivery mechanism for the differentiator. So they're doing the, the, the shallow I, version of that. I don't even think it's differentiation. I think it's almost implied now. You just got to be there. Correct. Right? So, so yeah. if everybody's there and then everybody's there, so you can say, oh, I'm going to be controversial or I'm going to dance more. But like, <laughs> I, I think the challenge is, and I, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek when I say that, it's if you actually surveyed your customers, if you went online and you said, Tell me what you're thinking about with your house. Tell me what your concerns are. Do you like your neighborhood? You know, when you bought that house during the pandemic, you know, there's a study that says like 43% of the people that bought a house during the pandemic made a mistake because they got rushed into it, right? They, they had a 650 house. They wrote 825 offer of 30 to get accepted. And now they're second guessing themselves. If you just take the time to get in the minds of the customers, they will throw money at you because you're speaking their language. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So being on social is great. Making phone calls is great. Emails is great. Open house is great. Everything is great, but that's table stakes. Look, why is Zillow dominating? Because they speak to the customer. They go direct to the customer and say, whether it was the debacle of want to sell your house to, you know, the couple, remember the, remember the, the ad that they did with the guy in the military on the laptop mm -hmm. communicating with his wife and, and the daughter, yeah. right? And okay, I'm not sure. What do you think? Hey, baby, I got to go, right? Like I'm in the middle of a war, close the laptop. And then he shows up or she, they go to look at the house and they open the door and there he is sitting there and it didn't say anything about real estate. It just said, find your way home, yeah. right? And people, I, I cried when I watched the video. I cried mainly for real estate agents because there was just no way they were going to compete with that. But they can, mm -hmm. they can if they put the focus off themselves and put the focus on the customer. Yeah, all those table stakes are just means to reach people with right. a reflection of themselves back. When did, when did, you've been working with the top performers for couple decades. Yeah. Um, when did teams and the team model occur to you like, oh, this Nin is a thing? 1996. Okay. What happened 19 in 1996? 1996. Uh, my dad was doing a workshop and my dad's a legend and it's 1996. So I'm 26 years old and I'm sitting in this room and names like Walter Sanford and Freud Candelario and Dodie Donahue and so many others. And, and back then, so someone that's new, they all have no context for those people are, but these guys and gals were all doing a hundred transactions a year in 1996. And when I went to Freud's, cause I met them all and we were doing these little masterminds. And when I went to Freud's office, Freud's office was like a doctor's office. And I, I walked in and I was like, well, it's kind of cool. Candelaria real estate, right? Not too far from here in Los Angeles. And, and then a whole bunch of meeting rooms. And then back here was like the back office transaction management, you know, listing marketing, all that, you know, all that sausage making, if you will. But over here, it was little conference rooms. And what Freud would do is he'd go out and knock on doors three hours every single day. His geographic farm was Los Angeles. And he would just knock on every door. Hi, it's for a Candelario. English or Spanish didn't make a difference. I'm out here, market updates, blah, 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 blah. And then he'd book five or six appointments every single day. And they would come to his office, mm -hmm. his office. And Freud didn't check him in. 
The gal at the front desk checked him in. And then somebody else walked in and said, hey, before Mr. Candelario comes in, I want to just verify you guys are thinking about moving the next three to six months. And at this point, you guys are kind of thinking you want, you know, four hundred fifty to $500,000 to sell your home. They're like literally like a doctor's office. And then Freud comes in and says, hey, it's Freud. Okay, let me look at the chart. Okay, so he's probably listed for four seventy five. And let me ask you, and, and he just, he would do like a professional presentation. They'd never seen the house. Might just knock it on the door, but he knocked on every door in LA. So he had no idea what it was. And that's when I said to myself, Oh my God, that's it. That's the future of real estate. And and we've been talking about it ever since. It's awesome. It, it, you made me think about front of house, back of house. Yeah. You know, you said doctor's office. I could see the doctor's office. Right. I kind of heard, um, you know, someone receiving you at a restaurant, for example. Right. Right. Um, and you keep the back of house, back of house for a reason. I feel like where it gets messy from a customer experience mm-hmm. perspective is when you bring people to the back of the house. Right. Right. And they see where the sausage is made. Yeah. It's like this. <laughs> that's is a the, bad metaphor. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like yes. th- that's just not what the experience is supposed to be. No. Um, I think every real estate agent should read uh, the book, the original biography on Maria Montessori, right? In the Montessori school system. Mm-hmm. That was the origin for what Walt Disney created with Disney U. It was all about the experience, right? You think about Disneyland, it's all about the experience. And mm-hmm. some of us can remember like A ticket rides versus B ticket rides, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the client doesn't really care. What they want is communication. Mm-hmm. They want certainty. They want you to solve the problem in advance and then tell them that there was a problem and you solved it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to call you and say, you misspelled something on the on, on the online ad. They don't want to say, hey, that photo of my master bedroom didn't look right. And they certainly don't want to hear we're not going to close on time. And they don't care about the appraisal. They, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, But all that stuff, every good agent knows, all that stuff is why they get paid so much money. Mm-hmm. It's because they're solving all those problems. So what's fun right now, and I know you see this too, what a lot of agents are doing now is they're thinking about what are all the touch points where something goes wrong in a transaction? And then they're either creating, I was thinking of uh, Gia Silva, who's a local agent in Long Beach. Um, The client gets like 17 videos during the transaction from her. Hi, it's Gia. We're now at day 24 in 17 days. We're da-da-da, and this is what's going to happen. And we've already solved for this, and this is what's going on. And like... She's doing it all in video, all automated, following the escrow process. The customers love it. And then mm-hmm. they write these glaring positive reviews. And, and what's shocking is it's 2023 and the vast majority of agents still aren't doing it. Right. Whether, when, and how to leave sales production. It's one of the biggest challenges and hardest transitions in the growth of your team or brokerage. That's why it comes up in many of our conversations here on Real Estate Team OS. For instant access to two subscriber-only episodes on this challenge, visit realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email exclusive insights and guest previews every week. You'll get subscriber-only episodes as they release. And you'll instantly get how to leave sales production successfully and why to stay in sales production. Two episodes, nearly an hour of content with perspectives from a dozen team leaders on the biggest challenge and hardest transition you'll face. Sign up right now at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. It's so straightforward. I mean, what you basically broke down there with a great example is setting expectations, delivering on expectations, communicating proactively. And if you're getting a call, that's problematic. Bingo. Bingo. Because 90% of the time you could have headed that off with proactive communication. 1,000%. And everybody watching knows 
Every escrow has challenges and not, almost none of them are in the agent's control, right? But it doesn't mean that we can't be trying to proactively solve the problem or get ahead of the curve, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's all of that. So I want to just make sure the person watching going, well, he doesn't know. Like I yeah. get it. Like I run a business. I understand. Yeah. Uh, accountability comes up a lot. I hear yeah. the word a lot. Yeah. I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different mm -hmm. people. When mm -hmm. I say accountability in this context, team leader, let's yep. say, yep. or broker owner, um, what comes to mind for you and how do you generally kind of advise people into a, into a healthy form of accountability? I have three visuals in my head. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, Douglas, and I'm gonna screw up his last names, XY theory of management, and whoever created the four levels of learning. And you have to blend those three together to understand like XY's theory of management, think military, right? If, if Ethan is a new soldier, I don't say to him, hey, what do you think? I say, drop and give me 20. Here's your gun. Do 500 push-ups. Shoot your gun that direction. Make sure you hit the target. I tell you exactly what to do because if you don't, you're going to die. And you, we have people on our teams that X is the requirement. They are over here, the unconscious incompetent. They don't even know what they don't know. And as they move up, they become consciously comp or incompetent. I don't know that I don't know. Now what? Right? Then you move to the conscious competent. I know what I know and I'm pretty good at it. Now you're getting near the why, Maslow hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, self-esteem. I know what I'm doing. This is good. Well, if you only have one approach to accountability and you're dealing with all those human behaviors and emotions and where people are at, you're going to have massive turnover. If you have no accountability, you're going to have massive turnover. You're going to have chaos, right? But when they get to the top, it's, it's Steve, what do you think? You had a bad month. What do you think? What do we need to do? Let's work on it together, man. And, and you, you don't hold somebody accountable in a rigorous way. You have an analytical conversation. You say, let's go inside the CRM. Let's do a little CRM audit, right? But if you got someone that's brand new, you got to tell them exactly what to do. And then you have to work on their behaviors, right? Which means, hey, I probably need you to have you check in every single day and let's text each other. And, you know, accountability, because I've been doing it my entire life in business. And I think mm -hmm. I've really been doing stuff. I was like six years old. My parents got divorced and had to say to my older brother, don't worry, I'll make the beanie weenies. And mom, I got your back, right? Yeah. Um, Accountability really should be thought of as carefrontation. Mm -hmm. I care so much about you that I'm willing to have honest conversations about your behaviors and the impact of those behaviors. And if you can take that on and have empathy for the person in the situation where they're at, right? I, don't, I deal with some of the most, I coach the CEO of home services, right? I mean, think about that. Gino Bafari for yeah. 31 years, right? The guy has 57 companies. One is Berkshire Hathaway. You know what I mean? Like the real estate company. Like I don't need to confront him, but I have to have empathy for his situation. I got to acknowledge where he's at. I never tell him what to do because he's at the highest level. You with me on this? Mm -hmm. But I ask careful questions to get him to think, right? To look at things differently. He's always saying to me, bring me new ideas. Right. I just talked to Nick, who's the CEO of Remax. Bring me new ideas. What's going on, man? I want to stay with it. You, you follow mm -hmm. me on this? So is that accountability? Or am I carefronting these incredible CEOs with insights that maybe they weren't familiar with yet? And I can open up the kimono, give them some insight, tell them some books to read, make some introductions to people. Is, is that accountability also? At the highest level, it is. But my son, who's eight days in real estate, you got to text me every day when you start making your calls. You got to text me every, you know, every day after you made your calls. And oh, by the way, he's got a team leader and he works on one of the best teams in all of New Jersey. Shout out to Jill Biggs. You, you with me on that? If he doesn't do it, he's going to die. Yeah. So you got to have a wide range of what you would call accountability. Yeah. It, um, 
specific to the individual in some cases, generalizable at some level, um, at least tiered at a minimum. And mm -hmm. he, what you really described to me was uh, essentially therapy, which is guiding a process yes. of discovery, yes. diagnosis, and then I'm going to guide you to mm -hmm. a process where you get to self-solve your own yes. solution. 1,000%. Because that's the only way you're going to see it through is, uh, is through that level of ownership. A couple more questions for yeah. you. I have to tell you though, it's yes, why please. I took all my coaches and took them through multiple different therapeutic methods. Because mm. if Love you it. don't understand what's going on in the minds of the customer, in this case, our client, yeah. right? Then you can't really serve them. What are you going to do? Hey, make your phone calls. They're yeah. like, I'm getting a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> right? My, yeah. my wife has cancer. Like, make your phone calls. No, you, you have to understand human psychology mm -hmm. for, to be a great leader, to be a great manager, to, to do good interviews. You mm -hmm. with me? Like, you got to understand people. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's great. Appreciate that ad. Um, I was going to ask for a basic tip for... So I'm thinking about two two yeah. classes of solo agents here. One who is actively thinking about starting a team. What would you advise that person? Or, um, or maybe what questions would you have for them? Uh, I would first say to you, uh, read three books. Um, read the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, right? Read that book, then read Traction, right? Read that book. They say the same exact thing. They just call it differently. You're going to find the one that you like. It's like driving cars. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I like this one versus that yeah. one, but they're all cars, yeah. right? And then I would read the book, Measure What Matters, right? And, and the reason why is like for the person that's maybe a little more um, SC on the disc profile, they're going to go, oh, I love traction. Like, you know, we get these rocks and we do all this and it's great, right? I have a and very then, clear process. Right, exactly. Yeah. And for like the D, right? They're going to be like, I totally love the four disciplines of execution, mm -hmm. right? Just bang, 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 four things, follow that process, build billion dollar businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And then measure what matters is for the techie, right? That wants to like, hey, I wanna be a tech enabled coaching company, tech enabled business person, tech enabled brokerage. And they all three say the same exact thing. And what I would say to you is, inside each one of those books, what you're gonna discover is if you're the founder, you have to find the operator. Now one calls it the integrator, everybody calls it an operator, most people would call it a COO, right? Probably would call it a co-founder. You gotta find that person mm -hmm. first because what you have is an idea and ideas are shit. Everybody's got ideas. What you need is someone that can actually execute the idea, refine the idea, finesse the idea into here's our primary objective, here's the KPIs we're gonna measure against, here's the team we need to build, here's the expectation for profitability, here's how much cash we're gonna to need to start the business, here's how we're gonna hire people and deal with all that stuff. You need that person, because typically what founders do is they say, let's build a world-class microphone. Yeah. You with yeah, me? Yeah. Or they're the founder that can build a world-class mic uh, microphone, but doesn't know how to run a business. Mm -hmm. So you got to find the end of your yang. And if you're unwilling to do that in today's environment, I would say to you become a really good listing agent, hire three to four licensed assistants, all of them licensed, and you just like get a driver and go on appointments. Cause you that's a team too. And mm -hmm. you can make a fortune, especially if you have a really big personality and a great brand in your marketplace, you don't need to have 25 salespeople. Maybe you need two that do open houses for you. Have your sister do it and your, you know, your 29 year old son, but the rest of them, you don't need the nonsense mm -hmm. because today it is so competitive that if you aren't, if you don't have an operating system and all three of those books are an operating system and they all are basically the same, there's not many of them out there. If you got an operating system, then you can go start a team. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what do most people do? Hey, you like blue jackets? I like blue jackets. We should start a team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. let's take a photo of all of us that looking really good together. But no, no, a team is like, it's like the NFL, 
right? You need a quarterback, you need a center, you need some wide receivers, you need a slot receiver, you need a front line. And if you don't have those things and a running back, if you don't have those things, you don't have a team. Mm -hmm. And in real estate, it's the same exact deal. You got to have the front line, my sales team, right? My marketers, right? You got to have your key experts, right? The wide receiver, the running back. You have to have a brilliant quarterback. Maybe they're ops, maybe they're the sales leader. You need all those things to orchestrate the kind of success that you want. Or you'll put a bunch of people together. You might do a bunch of deals, but you won't make any money Mm -hmm. because you'll burn through all the cash, right? Because you don't have that operator saying, we need 38% profit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of people get caught in that pass from that highly profitable small model you described sure. and getting to where they where they think they want to go and maybe they really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very complex. I especially appreciate your call to those books in particular uh, to the solo agent yeah. who's operating inside a brokerage, average to above average broker, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're you know they're day to day trying the, to be yeah. too good at more things than yeah. they can be good all, at. All the brokerages are great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, any, anyone that owns a brokerage, my hat's off to you because it is not an easy business. Yeah. It's a low margin business with high drama. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's you know, just, so you got to give your like I hug brokers all the time and say, thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah. So. So the question is, you got and this high producing agent or, or average agent, okay. even they might be better off surrounding them to, to stay with the f- kind of football mm-hmm. team metaphor. Yeah. It takes diversity yeah. of skills, talents, yeah. positions, yeah. playbook, et cetera. Should they join a team? Correct. Some, some will. Yeah, like, some how, will. like how do you break that down for them? Like, I'm thinking about maybe joining a team. How should I be thinking about that? So there's, a, so I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So there's people that are joining teams today because they got in the business, they sold a lot of houses during the pandemic, and now they realize they have no operating system. They have no marketing, they have no consistency, somebody was feeding them deals, or all their friends were buying a house, and now they're like, wait a minute, nothing's going on here. They're, they're I Love Lucy, remember I Love Lucy at the Chocolate Factory, Ethel, yeah. right? The the conveyor belt isn't bringing chocolates down mm-hmm. any, anymore, and you gotta go to work and go find the chocolates, and for a lot of people, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So if you join a team, it's great, because maybe they've got the conveyor belt and lots of chocolates, and they need you to put the wrappers on and right do all that stuff, that's called selling houses. Um, so some people are looking at it now, now, out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And, and my concern is, is it desperation? And if it's desperation, maybe just maybe you need to gut check yourself and be honest and say, am I doing this because I'm unwilling to make the phone calls because I'm unwilling to figure all this stuff out? And, and by the way, it's okay. if like just, just be honest with yourself. Like I knew when I started my business, I left in the morning and I came home with 11 employees. And my wife was like, I thought you were just going to have lunch with your mentor. And I said, well, I did. And then we leased 3,000 square feet and I hired Aaron McGovern and Steve and this, that, 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 that. and she was like, what? Right? Yeah. But see, I knew when I started that I needed all those people for me to be effective because I'm only good at a couple things. Mm-hmm. So if you can be honest with yourself and say, I'm really good at showing houses. I'm really good at negotiations. I'm really good at that first time buyer. I'm really good on a listing appointment. Then you fit well on a team. Then it's just economics. But you got to be honest. Is it desperation? Is it necessity? Is it desire? Do you want more time off? Uh, there's a gal, and I won't say her name in fairness to her, $20 million producer in La Jolla, California. She joined one of my client's teams, right? $20 million producer. She joined, right? She said, can't hire an assistant. I hire them. They quit. I hire them. They quit. I hire them. They quit. This is stupid. You guys have had the same team forever. Can I join you guys and basically just drag on your resources? That was a smart thing. Yep. She didn't go from 20 to 40. She does $20 million a year. She's totally comfortable. Made the economics, you know, the finance side of it work, Mm -hmm. right? 
team's making enough money to offset the cost. She brings a little more signs to the marketplace. It's now her name and their name. It's a match made in heaven, but it's not for everybody because mm -hmm. most people, A, won't be honest with themselves and B, they want all the glory. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like uh, I'm having dinner tomorrow night with Tim Grover. Okay. So yeah. I was at the Super Bowl when the Rams won, beat the, beat the Bengals. And yeah. he was up there. He, he is the trainer for Aaron Donald. Oh, right. Yeah, right? yeah. So Aaron Donald, right? Ring me, right? The Super yeah. Bowl guy. Like, and, and I remember watching, because I was on the, like the, like 14 rows down on the 50 yard line. I'm watching the play happen and I loved it, right? That team wouldn't exist without every one of those players, without the guys that bring the balls out, without the guys that wash the clothes. Like it's, it's this orchestration mm -hmm. that happens. And the question is, do you want to build that or do you want to be a part of it? Mm -hmm. And if you could be a part of it, it's pretty magical. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that you went to the high performer and had a great example in your pocket on that one too. I'm sure you have more. Um, this has been awesome. I appreciate you making time for this. Yeah, of course. Um, love what you're doing. Um, appreciate you sharing these perspectives. But before I let you go, mm -hmm. fun question for you. Yeah. And you only have to answer one of these two. Mm -hmm. What is your most frivolous purchase or what is a cheapskate habit that you hold on to even though you probably don't need to? Define frivolous. Um... Generally, I guess I would say um, a little over the top, well beyond need. The value prop isn't maybe quite there. You're like, I got ah, it. I just did it. The, the ring I bought for my wife uh, when I married her for the third time, she said, I can't even fit it in my pocket when I'm wearing jeans. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> right. It was stupid. But I love her. And I was marrying her for the third time. And I just, it was the only way I could figure out how to express without having my kids there, mm -hmm. how much she means to me, mm -hmm. right? That would be probably the answer. Um, and then like, where am I really cheap? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And it's not, it, nah, that's not, like, wonder, it's not like I'm, you know, yeah. I walk up and money falls out of me, but like, um, I learned a long time ago that my dad said to me, if you, if you control your health and you control your environment and you control your money, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm always elevating my standard when it comes to money, right? Like I'm reading Elon Musk, uh, his biography right now and his first wife, he said, how many kids do you want? She said, I'd like to have two. He said, I'd like to have four, maybe six. And she said, we would need a nanny. He said, well, then we'll get one. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of my mindset. Like, yeah. like we'll figure it out. We will create enough value for others to, so you're always, if you're always raising your standards, then I don't know. I mean, like Warren Buffett says, oh, I live in the same house. He also has many houses around the world right. and he flies around in a G700. So like, don't think that just because you see him driving a truck, that that is actually how he's living. Yeah. You with me on this? Yeah. I like the fact that he kept his old house and I like the fact that he kept the old truck, but he's also got a place in Laguna Beach in Emerald Bay that is not an old house in, you know, Ding Dingville. Yeah. So, you know, raise your standards would be my answer. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate that yeah. so much. Yeah. Cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS. For email exclusive insights every week, sign up at realestateteamos.com.